Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Experts interview series. We're so glad you're joining us today. I'm your host, Dieter Miller, owner of Magic Wing Administration. My passion is working with my clients to put administrative and customer service systems in place so they can focus on doing what they do best to create a business they love. And that helps me create a business I love. This series presents interviews with experts on many topics designed to help you grow your business, including customer relationship management, internet and technology best practices and know-how, creating great content, and just any strategies we can give you to enhance your business so you can make money, hopefully help eliminate some hassle, and generally make happen in your business what you want to have happen. And today we have a very important topic, Money Talks, How to Keep Yours from Saying Goodbye. (laughs) We have lots of great information for you today. And I'm excited to introduce my guest, your personal prosperity partner, Christina Martell. Welcome, Christina. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy to be uh, uh, that you're interviewing me. It's quite an honor. I appreciate it, Deirdre. Well, I'm delighted to have you on, too. I think this will be a great call. Uh, a little to our listeners about Christina before we dive in. She's been in the insurance field since 2003. She focuses on educating all of her clients about the three hurdles obstructing the path between their financial starting point and their personal finish line, debt, taxes, and time. These are the silent enemies to a secure financial future. She's committed to helping the forgotten class, that is the middle-income American, learn the basics of personal finance in order for them to build a comfortable tax-free retirement and to protect themselves from harm along the way. So, Christina, who would benefit most from the information you teach? Who do you direct your education toward mainly? Well, the main, my main uh, uh, audience is the middle-income Americans, specifically between the ages of uh, 25 and 45. And the reason is, is pretty clear. First of all, uh, most of us in middle America, I mean, the younger are fine, too, and older are fine, too. But th- that's kind of the sweet spot for people. They still have the time to save. They still have time to uh, really get what's happening. And um, the, the reason I, I, I love that group is because none of them, and, and, and me, for example, also, and I'm a lot older than that, have ever, ever been educated about how money works in school. So we make decisions based on, you know, what old the Uncle Joe said down the road, or we make decisions on what your Aunt Sally said, and, and those are typically poor decisions. So it's very important that uh, you talked about when you introduced me about uh, time being one of the uh, factors that's, that's very important to consider when putting together a financial plan. The older you get, the less time you have to put money aside and let it get any value for you. So I've worked with people as young as 11 and 14, 21, uh, all the way up to actually 72. And I can tell you right now that it's a lot easier to save money when you're young at $50 a month and wind up with, you know, a bunch of money when you're 65 than it is when you're 63 to wind up with a lot of money. You have to really, right. really fund those products. So, yeah, so 25 to 45 is typically 
the um, the best uh, age group of people to talk to, but younger and older can also benefit. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. It's better to start sometime than never, right? <laughs> better to start sometime than never. That is absolutely true. You know, there there is no question about it. And, and you know, when you're 25, between 25 and 45, who thinks about retirement? Who thinks about something happening to you? Nobody. Right, so right. that's why they need a guide like me or a, par- a prosperity partner to really to educate that group of uh, middle-income Americans about how money really works and what the impact can be on their lives if they just ignore it. I know I did. I'll tell you that story a little bit later. Right, yeah, I kind of did too. Yeah, it's pretty easy to do. When, Like you said, when you haven't been educated about it and, and how great it is to to start young, we just don't think about it and nobody tells us. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to think about it. Right. We don't want to think about retirement. Right, right. You know, I'm sure when you yeah, were 25 yeah. and I was 25, retirement was like a million years away. Who the heck thinks about that? Right. Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's get into the meat of our discussion here. You mentioned to me that you'd like to share your top five money strategies with us today. So what is the number one most important strategy, the biggest financial struggle that many middle-income American families and individuals have today? Well, the biggest struggle is debt, and that is bad debt. You know, we, um, particularly this group of people, the 25 to 45, often have uh, small families or just getting married and they have growing families. And even a little bit before that, our generation, uh, these generations are actually introduced to debt very early in life. If you remember back to your college days, um, or if I look at some of the college days of, of people who are a lot younger than I am, I notice that as you're going to college, first of all, you've got your um, college loans, number one, so that's debt. And then and as you leave the college. Now than when we went to school. <laughs> it's oh, it's awful. Worse. It's awful. I remember my college costs were $9,000 and I paid them off. But now going to a college for a year is forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. How do you pay that off? And if you're going into, right. uh, you know, into a profession like medical school or dental school or um, law or something like that, the bills are absolutely astronomical. So that um, debt is something that uh, these generations are have learned to live with, have learned to expect. You know, on college campuses, you've got people from American Express, from MasterCard, and so forth, wandering the campuses and introducing our young college grads to credit cards. And um, uh-huh. you know, there's uh, and credit card debt is probably the worst debt, other than loan sharkery. The credit card debt is probably the worst debt that you can have. First of all, it starts at about 16 to 18%, and it goes up to 27, 28%, which is absolutely usurious, and it's compound interest. So when I say to somebody, you know, uh, Mr. and Ms. Klein, I can get you 18% credit uh, uh, interest right this very red hot second. I can do that for you. And they say, really? Where can I get 18% interest? I said, take out that credit card that's in your wallet. That's 18% interest. And because it's compound interest, 
you're paying interest on the interest. So I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to pay off a credit card and all you do is make the minimum payment, probably it'll take you the rest of your life because the payment will never go down. The, the, the interest itself will build on itself and never allow you to pay off that credit card. So to answer your question, what is the biggest financial struggle that many middle American, middle income American families and individuals have? It's credit card debt. And here's how it goes. Um, since we're so used to using credit cards, that plastic, uh, we use it for everything. And uh, some credit cards, you know, give you points for this and travel, which is great if you pay your bill off every month. But what typically happens is so many of our middle American, middle-income American families are living paycheck to paycheck. So you go along fine for several months and get all the bills paid and, you know, everything seems fine until the day that your car breaks down or the day that not only does your car break down, but the washing machine stops working. Now, these aren't necessarily going to be big debts, maybe $1,000 here or there, but it's a place where because the savings mentality of the middle-income American has really not been anchored very well, what do we do? We reach for the credit card. And every time we reach for the credit card, we get farther and farther into debt. And the farther into right, debt we get. Right, and we usually debt, reach for it when we can't afford to uh, do anything else. You know, when we, like you said, we don't have the extra money. So, and you have to have the car to get to work. So you, like, have no choice when you're in that kind of situation. When you're in that situation, and that's very, very typical. Does it mean everybody is like that? Absolutely not. But the majority of us, without a doubt. There is no doubt. So mortgage debt, not bad. Uh, used to be better. Uh, that's had a little change this year. Mortgage debt, uh, you have to buy a car. That debt is usually very low. So that you can live with. But you cannot and should not live with 18, 20, 25% compound interest debt. I mean, just thinking about it, it makes my stomach royal it really does so uh if i could suggest one thing if anyone who's listening on this call can take one thing away is take all those credit cards put them in the freezer i don't know rip them up burn them keep one that you absolutely have to have because you do need it sometimes you need it for airline tickets you need it for renting a car you need it for a lot of different reasons but pay it off as best you can at the end of every single month and make a plan, whether it takes you a year, two years, three years, to reduce that debt to zero. That's my best advice. And talking about compound interest, on the other hand, when you're earning it, it's awesome. We can maybe talk about that in a bit, if you like. Um, Absolutely. If you, if you, about, you know, in, do some investing talk, you know, inf- information and uh, get into that, too. So that'd be great. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So you obviously have a lot of experience and background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Well, that's a long story. I'll try not to make it too very long. I was in um, the corporate world in high technology for many years, started out in the Massachusetts area, Boston, Massachusetts, and ultimately moved to the Bay Area 
and worked in Silicon Valley for many years, had some great jobs, made quite a bit of money uh, that I had put aside. But, you know, even I at that point in time, I mean, I, I, I was in school in finance, so um, you know, most of the, for the most part, I was debt free. Uh, uh, but eventually, you know, it, um, Conference I got muted. Um, most that. of the, okay, most of the time, um, I was debt free, but even then, um, you know, I bought a house or two at that time and that was great. And my house is appreciated up in the, uh, San Jose area. That was wonderful. And then, uh, circumstances, which I will not go into, uh, urged me to come down to the Orange County area. And, of course, I did not have a job, but I did have a home. I had invested in a home in Laguna Niguel several years before. And it just so happened that my renters were moving out, and so I moved in. And everything was fine. That was about 2003. Uh, my son owned an insurance company. and said, so, Mama, what are you going to do? He said, why don't you try getting into in the insurance business? And I went, ooh, I don't know insurance. What do I know about insurance? Nothing. But anyway, I learned. At that point in time, from 2003 to about 2000 and, oh gosh, 14, I was focused 100% on health insurance and then added Medicare. And uh, health insurance uh, was a great product to have that time. It has totally changed now with the Affordable Care Act and all of the stuff that goes along with that. It's, it's, it's very difficult to work in the health insurance field. Medicare is still great. But what happened was I got really, really cocky in 2006 and um, got caught up in the uh, lemming mentality of let's all invest in properties. So I bought seven houses at that point in time. And wow. everything was fine. They were rented. Yeah, it was grand. But they were highly leveraged. You know, minimum down payments. This is what was happening with some of the banks. They were giving loans to anyone who could fog a mirror. And I was one of those people. Right, right. So I bought seven houses, plus I had my own house. And then guess what happened in 2008? The stock yeah, market the dropped. The bubble. I believe. <laughs> yeah. The bubble broke and the stock market dropped. I believe it was 52 or 54%. And so many of us were wiped out, 100% wiped out. And I remember the day, uh, it's a kind of a sad story with a little bit of a happy ending. Um, after the crash in 2008 and 9, I was standing at the checkout counter of Trader Joe's with the princely sum of $23 in my wallet, waiting for my next commission check from health insurance to come in to buy groceries. I even had to put some groceries back on the shelf because I couldn't pay for them, and I was mortified. I couldn't pay my bills on time. My credit cards were maxed out. And here's the horrible part. I lost my own home. I got evicted from my own home. Sheriff came, locked the door, kicked me out. I lost all the seven properties that I had. And I could see, well, the economy did it. It was their fault. It was the bank's fault. It was this buddy's fault and this person's fault. But you know what? That isn't true. It was my own fault. I should never have followed the crowd like a lemming and taken all the money that I should have put into a retirement plan and spent it on a bubble. So are the banks somewhat to blame? Sure. Uh, but 
uh, the big fault is, and this is this is where personal responsibility comes in, and this is why I am so adamant about teaching personal prosperity and how money works. Because you know what? I don't care what happens. What ultimately happens, whether you lose everything or whether you don't, it is your choice and ultimately your fault. So, right, absolutely. Yeah, so that was a really bad time. Eventually crawled out of that and um, was introduced to, in 2015, was introduced to a marvelous company called Five Rings Financial. And the rest, they say, is history. I learned I learned how to communicate better with people. I added life insurance, fixed, uh, indexed universal life insurance with living benefits and indexed annuities to my portfolio and started teaching these courses, and things have been growing ever since. So I'm very grateful. And guess what? I'm putting money aside every single month. Am I ever going Great. to... Yeah. You know, I'm not 25 or even 45. Am I ever going to build a huge nest egg again? Probably not. But am I going to be okay? Yes, I am. So it can be done. That's it about me. Come from (laughs) nothing and be back to be back to something more normal. That's that's excellent. That's a great. Yeah, took about 10 years, but probably seven or eight years. But yeah, it's uh, I'm now living. I don't say the American dream, but I'm living well. And um, I have a lovely home that I rent because I choose not to buy. I have a car. I have a great family. And most importantly, I'm helping other middle-income Americans and middle-income Americans who have had disasters in their lives to help to prevent more in their futures. Yeah. Right. Very good. Okay, so let's move on. What is the second top money strategy that you'd like to tell us about? Oh, this is one of my favorite ones. This is I help people find money that they didn't know they had. Ah, you know, when I talk to my clients and I say, well, how is it going? You know, and we talk all about it and they say, yes, I'm, I'm interested in moving forward and uh, I'd love to do that. But, Christina, I'm just making it every month. I don't have enough money to put into a, a, an investment product. And by the way, the only products we deal with, Index Universal Life with Living Benefits and um, Index Annuities, are based on the stock indexes, not on the stock market. When the indexes go up, we go up. When the indexes go down, no matter how far down, we go to zero. So the beautiful part of our investment product or our savings product is that there's absolutely no downside. You can never lose a dime of the money you put in. So anyway, we're getting back to the topic, uh, finding money you didn't know you had. You know, we all have uh, mortgage. Most many of us have mortgages, have car payments. We're paying cable bills. We're paying electric bills. We're, oh, God knows what we're paying all mo- on, on everything as we go through our months. Well, what, what we do at Five Rings Financial and what I do for my clients is put all those bills. We sit down and make a list of every single penny that's spent. We put it through a funnel and we see where. Where can we save money? Did we really need to buy the Samsung 8 phone that's coming out? Do we really have to buy that? Do we really have to buy a 60-inch TV screen? 
do we really have to have 2,000 cable channels? No, we absolutely don't. Do we have to have a BMW and it's 700 or $800 or $900 a month payment? No. Could you buy a used car instead? Yes. Will your ego be a little bit hurt? Maybe, but guess what? Your pocketbook is going to be happy. So cable, phone, web services. You know, who needs all these TV channels? Check your plan. Call and negotiate a better rate. I saved $100 on cable this way. By switching cell phone services, I save 200 a month. Same coverage. How about spending less on a, on a new phone? I'm 100% certain that you don't have to buy uh, the new phones as they come out. I just said that a couple of minutes ago. How about food? Why would you spend $30 a pound for a steak at a high-priced specialty store when you can get a reasonable facsimile for $8.99 a pound at your local supermarket? And what about some of the sales that they have? So these are just some suggestions. Once I've gone through the funnel of my clients and looked at all of the things they spend their money on, believe it or not, I can typically save each client between $200 and $500 a month in savings. And guess what they can do with that money? They can take at least part of it and start putting it away in one of our safe, never-lose, non-taxable retirement plans. It's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a kind of a funny story about finding money I didn't know I had. My guy likes to stretch out on the couch to watch TV, and money's always yeah. falling out of his pockets. And the other thing I had to – I was looking for something under the couch, and I pulled the – the cushions out, and I couldn't believe how many coins were in there. It was like this whole tray worth of, of coins in there. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Well, yeah, anything will help. Any, absolutely anything will help. So you can find money that you didn't know you had. Uh, extravagance is not necessary. You know, it's different if you're if you're worth twenty five million dollars and you live in your means, and you know if you're if you've got a lot of money coming in and you're living within your means. But if you have credit card debt and you don't have anything for retirement, and you're just getting by, I'm sorry, but there need to be some changes made, and I can help you do that. And it doesn't have to be painful. It can actually be fun. So there you go. Yeah, and Social Security alone for sure won't cut it. So you need to have something more. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, with just, just right. as an aside, with an annuity, Really, uh, you can get a lifetime income benefit rider whether you have a dime in that annuity in the long term or not. They still have to pay you. That's a, that's a topic for uh, another Ask the Experts story. But just saying there are ways where you can get some income uh, and start doing that, start putting money away today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so then what is strategy number three? This is another fun one, and this you can involve your whole family, and it's called a budget. And many time I say that, um, uh, it, 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 it strikes fear and dread into the bravest of us. Why? <laughs> because our brains be, uh, perceive it as a restriction or a scarcity. So I decided I was going to do something different, and I changed the name of a budget to a smart spending plan for 
my fabulous financial future. Now, you might say as you're listening to this, oh, please, what else is that woo-woo lady going to talk about? I will tell you, your brain believes what you tell it, whether you like it or not. If you want to be miserable about your money and you tell your brain to be miserable about it, you will be. If you develop a smart spending plan for your fabulous financial future, your brain is actually going to believe it. And how can you do that? Well, I just told you how to, how to find some money that you didn't know you had. What about inviting your family to join you on this journey? You know, keep track of all your financial commitments for the month. And I use a calendar. Some people use a spreadsheet. Some people put it in a booklet. But I mark my calendar for a few days before each of my bills is due. So I pay the bills three days before they're due. And why is that? So that I don't get any late charges because if you pay your bill, you know, the day after it's been due, you're going to get a 5 or $8 late charge that you're going to have to pay. Now, you may be able to talk them out of it for a couple of times, but after twice, they're not going to listen to you anymore. You'll pay it. And then you can invite your children, have a Friday night meeting or a Saturday morning meeting with your kids and uh, say, you know, we're going to figure out five ways that this family can save money so that we can all go to the movies together or out for dinner together in a month. So I want you all to think of different ways to save a little extra money. And kids love it. And not only do they love it, but they get a little prize at the end. And it really encourages them to learn that there is such a thing as money and that it is a valuable commodity entity and that this might encourage them to actually learn about money early so that they're not stuck with nothing when they're 50 or 60 or 70 because they will have learned the value of money. I've talked to some parents, and they have spending plans that their children are involved in, and it's a fun family uh, gathering that they talk about. And, you know, the winner gets a it gets a prize, maybe an extra ice cream or something. I don't know. But something to honor that. And since it's not taught in schools anyway, isn't it great to teach this at home? I think it's wonderful, and it works. So create a smart spending right. plan. Mm-hmm. People love to mm-hmm. have uh, contests, and, and especially – uh, I think siblings like to compete with each other and see who can do mm-hmm. the best. <laughs> so that's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 So, so of course, course, then go ahead. I was going to say, of course, the fourth strategy, which I know you're going to say, um, is let's create a savings plan, right? Now you've, you, now yeah, that so when you're created, smart, a, you have more money to save, right? <laughs> exactly. First, you find money you didn't know you had. So that's cool, and you take part of that and start uh, building your retirement. Then you create a smart spending plan. You sit down and look at all your bills and create the spending plan. And then you create your sustainable savings plan. So how do you do that? Well, you've got all this extra money now. You've taken maybe 50% of it, a couple hundred dollars, and put it away in an investment strategy, and you've got a couple hundred left over. Um, what do you do with that? Well, this is, again, a fun personal or family project. Um, another way is just, you know, 
set the thermostat on your air conditioner from 80 to to 80 degrees of 72. So again, you're going to be you're going to be saving money. And um, if you're employed, this is a very important one in terms of a spending plan. Even if it's a secret spending um, savings plan, pay yourself first. Make it automatic. Have a portion of your paycheck deposited into your financial freedom savings account. And when you have enough, transfer it to an investment account. So you should, and uh, if you work in a large company and they do offer a 401k, I'm not the biggest fan of 401ks because of the huge tax ramifications down the road. But I am a fan of it if your company matches. So if your company gives you 3%, then take 3% of your money and and put it into your 401k. It's basically free money. But take the rest and talk to somebody like me or another financial advisor and get um, and figure out what to do with that money so you're not at the mercy of huge taxes. Uh, another way you can do that. And even is if to you're working it- for yourself, I have a you know an automatic withdrawal from my checking to my savings. Um, you can just do that directly through your bank. It doesn't have to be from a check uh, from a paycheck either. So that's beautiful. That Thank you for telling me. Yeah, and and it should be. And you know the reason why that is once you start doing it. Uh, for example, uh, for the kids particularly and for adults. I tell them to have jars, jars. Maybe each child has a jar and each adult has a jar because before you can actually get into something and really focus on it, you have to make it a habit. And I've heard anything from 21 days to two months to how long it takes to, um, you know, to anchor a habit. But the, um, the general rule of thumb is it takes 21 days to get a habit established. So once that's established, you know, coming home every night and throwing your extra change into a jar. Um, kids get an allowance. If they don't spend it in a week, have them throw it in a piggy bank. Something like that, just so that they're aware that you can put money aside. So it adds up. How about, this is, a, this is an interesting one I asked. So this is our personal $5 a day plan. Now, you might think it's easy if I told you, Deirdre, could you say $5 a day? You'd say, sure, that's easy. $5 a day is easy. I spend that much on, I don't know, Starbucks. I spend that much on, you know, just walking around and picking the odds and ends that I don't need. Well, how about taking that $5 a day and putting it into an account? Do you know that that's $150 a month and $1,800 a year? That's a vacation just from $5 a day. Now, when you say $5 a day, it's easy. When you say 150 a month, the whole psychology changes. So keep it at $5 <laughs> a day and forgo that Starbucks for a change. Just drink plain coffee instead of a mocha frappuccino latte with chai tea or something. I don't know. You know, that's $17 a cup. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I would suggest is, um, as you're building the sustainable savings plan, work hard at reducing your debt. Then save three months of emergency money in case you lose your job, get sick, or have a catastrophic event in your life. Then save to invest, and you're soaring. So, great job. Yeah, yeah. That's a sustainable savings plan, and it's doable. 
Great. I just want to let our listeners know that we will open the call for questions in a little bit here. Oh, great. So have your questions ready. Yeah. But first, let's talk about what is the fifth and final strategy you'd like to share with us today. This is a marvelous strategy. It's called tax-free retirement. So um, when people think about retirement, typically it's too late, but just say, let's take an ideal case, all right? Let's take an ideal case. You're 30 years old and you've learned about money. You've been to one of my classes or you've learned from um, a, a, a parent who has been very careful about money. And you say, you know, I'm 30 years old. I've got a family. I really need to start saving, putting some money away for when I get older. Now, there are a million ways to do that. Uh, I use a teeter-totter uh, to explain this. It's like a, a little presentation I do. A teeter-totter, I, I put a board on the top, and I have a little triangle in the middle, so it's all balanced. Now, there are people who save in very high-risk types of investments. And that's stocks, and that's even bonds, and that's all different kinds of securities, usually based on the stock market. It can be gold. It can be real estate. These are high-risk investments, okay? So that's the left side of the teeter-totter. Then on the right side of the teeter-totter, you've got the guy who is so conservative, he puts his money buries it in the backyard, puts it under his mattress, sticks it in the freezer. Well, you don't want to be that guy because you're not going to earn anything on the money, on that money. And then there's the you're going to lose because of inflation. <laughs> you're absolutely going to lose. And if you don't put it in a PVC pipe and you bury it, you're going to, it's going to rot away and you won't have anything. And if your house burns down, you've burned up your money. So don't be that guy. Don't be that guy or gal. Just don't do that. I understand that, but just don't do that. The people have been burned hard. They, they want to see it, feel it, and have it nearby. But don't do it. So then there's the teeter-totter in the middle. How can we balance all of this? If we go all high risk, the teeter-totter balances incorrectly. It goes way down to the left. If we just have all cash hidden somewhere here and there, it goes way down to the right. But how about a product, an investment, an insurance policy where, and this is these are IRS rules, by the way, where you can put money away every month, regularly and even increase it over time, where you can illustrate it for and manage it for income as you get older, where every month you put money aside and every month it grows about 8% compound interest, very good return. And if the stock market goes up, based on the indexes, your money will go up. If the stock market goes down, as it did in 2008, 52%, your money will stay at zero. It will go sideways. If the stock market goes up 15%, your investment will probably only go up 12% because you've got to have some plan in place. The companies have to have some plan in place to limit the growth because they also eliminate the loss. So you're playing in the field between 0% and about 12%. And that happens all through the next 40, 50 years of your life. Along the way, 
you may want to take out some money, tax-free, by the way, tax-free for your child's college education. You can pay that back or not. don't have to. What if when you're 55 or 65 years old, you get a heart attack and you're in your own business and you can't work for six months? You know, there are long-term care policies for that. I don't like long-term care policies, and I don't like them for one reason. You don't have a choice where you can go. In this particular scenario, we have what we call living benefits. So any critical illness, terminal illness, chronic illness, chronic disability, that's your disability policy right there, terminal illness, chronic illness, critical illness, that's your long-term care, you can accelerate because it is a life insurance policy, you can accelerate that death benefit on the life insurance policy, get enough money for yourself to recover, not lose your home, because people say, well, how am I going to pay my mortgage? I just had a heart attack. I'm the sole income earner for my family. I have no money. What am I going to do? I'm going to go bankrupt. And many people do, but guess what we say? Remember the life insurance policy we sold you 10 years ago? along with living benefits? Well, we can accelerate that death benefit. You take out the money from your death benefit. You work with the insurance company, take out an amount which will cover your bills. And then when everything is fine, you get on with your life. It's so beautiful because it wraps and and all the money you ever withdraw from that policy is tax-free. So I'm telling you, if you put $500,000, if you have a $500,000 death benefit, over time and you started about 35 years old, you will only have to have put in $165,000 and all the rest grows. So you have a nice chunk of money to take care of you in your retirement. It's absolutely beautiful. And you can never lose even one penny of that money. So... We call it the insurance you don't have to die to use. And it's a brilliant solution to crises that occur in everyday life. It's really, as I was saying, one heart attack, one stroke can destroy the financial health and has destroyed the financial health of families all over the United States. Don't let that happen to you. It doesn't have to. And you don't have to have a lot of money to make this happen. But you do need time. And you do need to get started as quickly as possible. And I'll let you teach you more and help you about that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 So how can we learn more from you? Do you have some resources you'd like to share? Oh, yes. I would love to. But before I do that, I have a little bonus um, to throw in. One bonus that I always like to mention. And that is, please, please, please. Get rid of your debt, number one. And secondly, please, please, please have a will drawn. I'm sorry my dog is interrupting us, but get a will. (laughs) Gracie is seeing somebody outside. I'm sorry to interrupt you with her barking. Please get a will. And if you have enough money, I believe the number is about $200,000 in assets, $220,000 in assets, you will need a trust. You don't want your family to have to go through probate. So bonus tip, have a will and get a trust if needed. And then you asked um, how you can get some more information. I'd be happy to tell you. Okay. 
So you can call me, 949-677-7631. Text me at that number. It's my only number. You can email me for more information, martellinsurance at gmail.com. You can visit my website, martellinsurance.com, and there you can download my free book called Seven Smart Strategies to Keep More of Your Money. I'd love you to have a copy of that. It's free. All you have to do is go to my website, martellinsurance.com, and there's a place where you can download it. So that's all I have. Great. So uh, to our listeners, don't worry if you weren't able to write all that stuff down. Uh, you will receive an email soon with Christina's contact information, all the information that she just gave, and along with details on how to access the recording of this call if you'd like to listen again, which I highly recommend. So let's open uh, the call for any questions, and then we can do a final close after that. So let's unmute everyone. Hi there. Do we have any questions for Christina? I have a question. Okay. Okay. Hi there. Hi. I have a question. Christina, would you advise somebody who has a lot of high interest credit card debt that may not have a mortgage or something where they could, you know, get rid of it to look into possibly a consolidated uh, loan at a lower rate? To eliminate it, what do you? What would be the best suggestion for that? Well, there are a couple of suggestions. I'm glad you asked that question. It's a very, very, very good one, actually. Um, you could do that. The the first thing I would start with, however, before before I did anything, was I would call, um, pay off, start paying off the highest interest rate, of course, first. But I would call and each and every institution that you have a credit card with and ask them if they can lower your interest rate. So that's that's one start. And I guarantee you that probably 99 out of 100 will give you a lower, a lower interest rate. I would find out, I would do the numbers and find out if a, if a low-cost loan, I think it's a great idea, a low-cost loan to pay everything off is a very good idea if you can get a loan that's well below what you're paying in compound interest, remember, compound interest, I would do that. And then at the very same time, it really depends how much debt you have. I think if you have $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense for the cost of the loan and so forth. I'm not a loan expert by any stretch of the imagination, but if the numbers work, yes. Um, so start with the highest interest card. First, start paying it down, call your institutions, find out if they'll lower your rate, which they probably will, and then get rid of all your credit cards. You have to have one or two around. Uh, put one in the freezer in a jar of water and freeze it and keep one in your pocket because you will need one uh, going around. But that's an excellent question, and I would certainly look into it. If the numbers work out, great, because you'll keep your credit up. You know, you do have to have some credit cards to get a good credit score. You do. So just pay them off at the end of the month. 
Does that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Christina, I was uh, reading that uh, um, it's not a good idea to switch your credit. Like uh, um, if you have an offer, I've gotten an offer for a zero interest loan for, I mean, a credit card for quite a while. You know, it's like a year and a half worth of zero interest. So I wanted to, you know, transfer my one that had interest into that. And that's been a big help, too. But I've also heard that that can kind of ding your credit score. So what is Well, your... I guess the answer to that is uh, I actually don't know. I know that every time some every time you switch a credit line or get something, you're going to, you know, uh, several people are going to all of the, um, you know, Equifax and all of the uh, credit rating companies are going to look and say, okay, she looked again. So it may ding your credit a little bit. I'd also be very, very careful about what the interest is after that year and a half of zero interest. Right. Um, and inch, yeah, you're, you know you're going to be able to pay it off in that time, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before you make that kind of a decision, sounds really good, but read the fine print because there's always fine print with something like that. Always fine yeah. print, you know. Yeah. I think this one of the safest things to do is just take the biggest one and start paying them down. And, you know, if you have thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in credit card debt and you can get a loan to pay it off, do it. But keep one or two credit cards because you're going to need it for your credit score. Absolutely. Just pay them all. Right now. And get low. You don't want to close them all. (laughs) No, you don't. Right. Do not. Right. No. Anything else that anybody wants to ask? Any more questions or comments? Okay. Great. Well, you can always contact Christina directly if you have any more questions. Or me. I'd be happy to... Uh, talk to you guys know my website is deidramiller.com and you can contact me that way has all my contact information there and Christina's website and her email we have and you'll have it in writing uh, in a bit too so Christina do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share something maybe you wish I'd asked that I didn't not so much what you I didn't ask but what I would like to encourage uh, the listeners to do is Reach out to me or, uh, you know, somebody that you trust implicitly. Uh, I'd love you to reach out to me. I, I love to get to know my listeners. I love to get to know the people that I can possibly work with and help and learn about your situation and how I can help improve it. Maybe just a little tweak here and there would make your lives better. I'll buy you lunch or a cup of coffee. It's a free consultation, obviously. And, um, As I said in the beginning, I love my job. I love what I do. Why? Because every day I can help middle-income Americans make their lives just a little bit better and save them from harm should that occur. So reach out to me. Um, Let's set a time to get together. I would love to do that. And um, just keep your wallet and your purse. I'm not selling you anything. I just like to get to know you. <laughs> so I so appreciate everybody who's listening on this call. And Deirdre Miller, you're wonderful. Thanks for having this marvelous series. Um, I've heard some of the others, and they're always wonderful to listen to. So great. Thanks so much, everybody. 
Well, thank you again, Christina. And we want to thank, I'd like to also thank our listeners again for joining us today. Uh, we know you have lots of options for what you could be doing right now. So we really appreciate your spending time with us. And we hope you got lots of great information that you can use right away. So thank you again. And let's create magic. Bye for now. Bye-bye.